Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave, and as always, I'm joined by my guys Josh and Caleb. Guys, as the proverbial crickets are chirping in the background, not a ton of newsworthy things to talk about. A couple things. What caught your ear this past week? Yeah, Demarius Thomas, he actually retired today as a Bronco. Not as a Jet. Not as a Jet. No surprise. (laughs) Not as a Patriot. And not as a Patriot. (laughs) Although, let's be fair, he probably ranks very, very high on the all-time Jet position list. Uh, as we noticed, uh, looking through, what was it? We looked at all the running backs and different positions, and it seems like guys that uh, get there for just a couple years can run to the top of that list. It's like Curtis Martin, LT, and nobody else. Yeah, Matt and Forte. Matt Forte, nobody else. And, w- and when Brett Favre's on your all-time rushing list, I'm just kidding, he's not. <laughs> that's, that's, but you get my point. So one thing that I have noticed is newsworthy is Mac Jones is talking, uh, maybe not the Patriot way, but of course it's pretty harmless so far. Uh, the Patriot quarterback has yet to sign his rookie deal. In fact, defensive tackle Christian Barmore, their second-round pick, as well as their defensive end rookie Ronnie Perkins, has also remained unsigned. Now that said, it seems like that the honeymoon so far is going well. Mac Jones says in reference to Cam Newton that he's, quote, doing an awesome job being a good mentor. He also said that he has canned the nickname Mac and Cheese. Yeah, I'm not too impressed with that nickname, especially coming from Cam Newton, who's pretty flamboyant. I think he would have more something more creative than Mac and Cheese. It sounds like a layup to me. It's pretty lazy. That's that's low-hanging fruit. Now, as sure. you said, uh, Mac Jones has not signed his contract, so he's still out there trotting with number 50 on, which yeah. I think is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Bill Belichick, in years past, has always given his first-round pick number 50 before they've signed for some reason, but trend continues. Yeah, and it looks like uh, my guess would be, because I also read this earlier in the week, that the jersey number 10 is available. Uh, it was previously, and I'm going to blow this first name, help me out, Josh. Demir Bird. Demir Bird has vacated the number 10, so that is available should he decide to take it. But there's more serious matters at hand. The serious matter is Cam Newton had a less than stellar performance as a Patriot last year, and this year uh, they drafted Mac Jones, so... Yeah, and there's a report today from Mike Giardi from the Patriots that there's a legitimate competition between the quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Mac Jones. As we've known in years past, they haven't had to have a quarterback competition for their number one quarterback because Tom Brady has been there for two decades. So this is really the first time we get a look at a competition with Bill Belichick. Yeah, I I don't think it's really a competition, in my opinion. You look at last year, Cam, he had eight touchdowns, ten picks. He was actually way more efficient as a rusher. He rushed 137 times for almost 600 yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. So he was very efficient as a running back, but I'm not sure that it's much of a competition between him and Mac as a quarterback. Yeah, and to add on to the rushing point, Cam Newton was on pace if he played the other game that he missed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. The most to rush attempts in his career for a season. So they gave him all the carries. They gave him all of the work that he could theoretically handle based on years past. And uh, he, he produced pretty well, but as well as the passing, eight touchdowns is definitely not going to cut it, especially for that offense and that what Bill Belichick holds that team to. Yeah, I would agree. And I think I th- you guys hit on it in another conversation. I mean, they drafted him pretty pretty high, high-priority draft picks. So usually when you take a quarterback at that level, you expect some productivity out of that, uh, similar to what the Eagles did, even though Carson Wentz was there. So I would agree. I expect them to give this uh, this kid a good look. I also um, – is Cam Newton washed up? Is, I mean, have we seen his best play, or is that still yet to come? I think we've certainly seen his best passing days. Mm-hmm. I think when he came into the league, he was fresh. He was able to throw touchdowns. Well, it wasn't like the most impressive thing. Right. Like if you watch Lamar Jackson, they're, just not, stay, they're not the same player. Sure. Because they're different speeds, different kind of gameplay while they both run. Right. Uh, Lamar Jackson's not the most impressive passer. 
but he could certainly get it done. He could still toss up 30 passing touchdowns as he did two years ago when he was the MVP. Right. And how we saw with MVP Cam Newton in those similar days. He can do that, but I don't think he's able to do that anymore. So I think that's what we're lacking now, his passing game. And to be fair, last year was a really weird year with COVID. And the Patriots, they had a lot of opt-outs, so they didn't have their whole squad. So it was, it was really weird. So we can give them the benefit of the doubt for that, but we have to wait and see. But how much is players not being there or you know missing out for COVID? Or is it that he hasn't grasped the offense, perhaps? Or is it that he's a run-first mentality? It's probably all, all the above. All the above. Yeah, they said Cam has a much better feel for the offense this year. Sure. Second season, yeah. Yeah, and the offense isn't going to change. I mean, the offense no. is what it is. And, and the, the reality is Bill's going to have whoever come in learn that offense. I will say some of the veterans have made some comments, and I won't quote them all, but to the effect that it, you can tell that Mac Jones, just in the time he's been with the other veterans, is somebody special in that he's earned some things in college and he's been there, and you can tell. One of them said he's been coached up. So if that's the case, we could look for a legit quarterback controversy for sure. Yeah, and the, from the clips that I've seen from Mac Jones and Cam Newton, especially working in like the red zone, towards like fades and stuff like that. Mac Jones has been a more impressive in that field, mm-hmm. but Cam Newton has looked like the lesser quarterback at that point. Yeah. It's funny. I think someone made the reference about the uh, commercial that um, that Cam Newton did where the kid said he was going to basically take his job, and someone put out the meme where that's now Mac Jones. Yeah. So, all grown up. So, all right, we're going to move on. Uh, I thought it was uh, without a lot going on. Of course, as you know, we are students of the game. We love and listen to all of the – other type of journals out there and and reports. So something stuck out in my head today, mostly because if we were doing this, it would not look at all like this. But our friends at CBS Sports put out their coaches ranking, and they said that this is based not only on past performance, but also anticipating the future. So that said, let's be fair. I think 99% of the the football world would say if we're ranking coaches anytime, you're going to put Belichick at one because, quite frankly, he's still the best coach in, in the league, no matter what his team looks like in the Brady post-Brady era. So that said, this is a, uh, this is a hot take from CBS Sports. Uh, we're going to put the link on, on, our, uh, on our page there so you can check it out if you like or just go to CBS Sports. We don't even have to do that. It's, it's their headline. But I'm also not going to start at 32. We're not going to go through everyone. We're going to start, I'm going to start at 20 for a reason. John Gruden is their 20th rank. Now, let me just say, my coach, Mike McCarthy, is not on the list. We'll talk about that. That's, he's, he's higher than this, is what I'm trying to say. But we're going 20 down. John Gruden, just think about it for a second. Without reading another name, you're telling me there's 19 coaches in this league that are a better coach than John Gruden. So I'm not sure that I agree with that, but they got Juden, uh, John Juden. They have John Gruden, the man, at 20th. What do you all think about that? He's in the fifth year of his tenure career there. Um, he's had some struggles with his roster. He's been underperforming. His career in general, all over time with Tampa Bay and the Raiders is 114 and 110. So he's right at that 50.50%. Right. That's his career at 114 and 110. He's right at 15 now. Yeah. And he's halfway through his time at Vegas. Um, and he hasn't really been that. He's been real splashy, is what I'm trying to say. He hasn't been that good. He's been whiffing on draft picks. I don't know if that's more Mayock's fault or his fault. I mean, look at Henry Ruggs last year. Like, come on. Yeah, but just out of respect, are you going to put the 5-11 and 11 Matt Rule better or Brian Flores, who I respect as a young coach, don't get me wrong, Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. Anyway, those guys are all lower than him. I just I'm, 20 seems like a, a hard place to be. So, okay, well, let's, let's move down their list. Uh, at 19, they have... Uh, Matt Nagy Bears in his fourth season as the Bears head coach. Um, he's a little above 500, 
28 and 20. What stands out? He has a 0 and 2 playoff record. Yeah, what stands out to me with Matt Nagy is we have not seen him with quality quarterback play. True. And he's been known for controlling an offense with great quarterbacks, including Alex Smith. And I don't know if he was there for the first year of Mahomes or not, but he's had he's had quality quarterbacks, certainly better than the ones he's had at the Bears. Yeah, I would like to contrast that. I think he's in the hot seat, personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't blame it all on your quarterback. I know it's been pretty abysmal to be the quarterback for the Bears, and it's not all Nagy's fault. But you still have to make corrections, make even make trades, do other things. I know it's not on his hands, but he has a big part to play into it. Yeah, and I would I would go a step further. I agree with both of you. I think perhaps a benchmark for him is he has been able to guide Mitchell Trubisky to two playoff appearances. And now with Justin Fields, who's marginally better, I think we all agree, this should be a different ballgame for him. Okay, the Panthers coach Matt Rule, second season with the Panthers as head coach. As again, no playoff record. He's 5-11. and 11. CBS Sports has him at number 18 going into next year. I would agree with that. I think he's a solid coach. Last year, I've said it many times on this podcast, it wasn't fair for him. The games they lost, they were 5-11 and 11 last year in his first year. The games they lost were by a possession or two possessions, and they usually lost in the fourth quarter. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a break, and 18 is a fine spot for him. I don't totally agree with this spot. Mm-hmm. Um, the offense for me was just too slow. The quarterbacks that they've had – including Sam Darnold, who's coming from a Gase offense. We don't exactly know what he is. Right. While he's getting Joe Brady, I expect this offense to also continue to be slow. So I don't think that they're going to be a high-scoring enough team to keep up with other teams. So I think that their record will be low as it was last year. Yeah, and would you both agree that uh, I think, as I said, a benchmark for for Nagy is that he had taken Mitchell Trubisky to two playoff games. Not ideal situation. We all agree that he's probably not a uh, the best option for quarterback for them. But – for Matt Rule, Sam Darnold, if he can turn that career around that Sam Darnold started with, we've talked about him in previous episodes, I think that'll also make a lot of people realize that he is a legit coach in this league. Yeah, my biggest thing is if Sam Darnold becomes a success in Carolina, I think a lot of that will be pointed towards Joe Brady rather than Matt Rule. So if Joe Brady is a success with Sam Darnold, I think he'll get an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere as well, and he'll be on the move just soon down the road if that actually happens. So I think that's going to affect this team immediately afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more Joe Brady than Matt Rule, in my opinion. Okay. Number 17, they have Riverboat Ron, Ron Vieira. He's in his second season as the head coach of the Washington football team. Barely above 500 record, and his playoff record is 3-5. and He's made one Super Bowl appearance, with which they lost. Uh, In my mind, he's a serviceable – he's what I call a football guy. In my mind, he's in that league with guys like Jason Garrett, who knows everything about football, who demands his respect on the sideline because he's earned it as a player and as a coach. But is Riverboat Ron really the 17th best coach in this league? I think he's up there. I mean, when you look at him as a defensive coach, like look at his defenses he's had. Yep. The Panthers defense, the defense last year with Washington, I mean, they're a dominant defense. I think if he gets a good OC to run the offense for him, then he's a fantastic coach. It's just... That scares me a little bit when he's not when he's calling plays. It's kind of sketchy to me. Yeah, I, I would I would agree, and maybe too. I think he falls along the lines of what we've always said about Dan Quinn that he's exceptional as a defensive coach, and when his focus is on defense. But you're right; he brings a toughness naturally to any defense, and teams send, tend to look like that toughness that he that quiet, calm toughness that he portrays. So, very good. All right, I love Brian Flores. I, I think he's a great coach. We had this discussion a couple years ago when they were quote, tanking for Tua. I said, hang in there, guys. He's going to lose some games, but he's a quality guy. And he is 15-7, and seven, third season. But again, 
Some of that was shifting players around so that 15 and 17, I'm sorry, um, not 15 to seven. But part of that was the process and that can hurt your team. Jimmy Johnson started out with a losing record as well. So not to compare them, but what's your take on Brian Flores? Yeah, I think Brian Flores coming from the Bill Belichick tree has been the most impressive. I think you see in guys like Matt Patricia come out and be in the Lions. The players didn't like him there. The team obviously fired him very quickly, mm-hmm. and he's back on the Patriots right now. But um, I think Brian Flores is the best from that Belichick tree, as I said. And I think what he did last year with confusing quarterback play while I was a rookie and Brian Fitzpatrick, who all of a sudden we've summed up as some sort of good quarterback, right. has not been good for a decade and a half. Yeah. So, the journeyman who's been on half the league's teams. Yeah, they, they did very impressive with those two players. The defense turned around. Obviously, they signed a bunch of free agents. I like what they're doing. I think it's too too hard to tell where he is right now, but I'd say he's in the upper half of the league, just like the team was last year. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it was tough because, you know, a lot of people would watch the Miami Dolphins and say, you know, we jokingly, they're just tanking for Tua. I think they did a great job at moving talent, moving money, freeing up cap space, making room for this coach to have players that he will coach and put his stamp on. I like Brian Flores. They have him at 16. All right, someone I've been critical of over the years. At 15, CBS Sports has Mike Zimmer, the Vikings head coach, in his eighth season. Again, another coach struggling above 500. He's at 67, 47 and 1, 2 and 3 in the playoffs. Just my take, Zimmer should have been back coaching a defense a long time ago. He has uh, misused Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. I think they've wasted a good couple of years. We all know that he's a throw it down the field, deep threat kind of quarterback who needs a running game to keep that passing game honest. And last year, Zimmer all but abandoned it for a while and came back, and that falls on him. So uh, I, I don't think he's the 15th best coach in the league. In fact, I'd put him, you know, again, not to have Mike McCarthy down here, I think is laughable. But what are your thoughts on Mike, Mike Zimmer? Yeah, I think if you're a Vikings fan, I think you should be upset because I feel like if you're getting Mike Zimmer, you are settling. What he has been has been a very average coach. He's been they've obviously been top in the division with a struggling Lions and Bears. Again, because of their defense. Which has helped them because the division is so poor other than the Packers. And despite that, they've still been extremely average. I mean, their their quarterback play is good. As you said, Kirk Cousins, he might be he was more successful on the Redskins or on the Washington football team when he played. And uh, I think he's hurt because of this team. And as you said, he's a defensive coach, and their defense has been lackluster the last couple of years as well. Yeah, and this goes back to what I think is the big criticism on Jimmy Johnson. When he left the uh, Dallas Cowboys anxious to prove that he could do this again in Miami, he took over a team that had the aging Dan Marino. Now, my take on – and I'm not a coach, and I'm, I don't want to criticize these guys, but I think the reason that he failed ultimately is instead of coaching Dan Marino to his strengths – he was bent on coaching the team to his strengths. And that made Dan Marino awkward and not himself. And I think much the same has happened with Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not I'm not going to praise him. He is what he is. But the guy is more capable than he's been able to do on this team. And I think a lot of that falls on the coach. I think to sum up Mike Zimmer, as you look at, I believe it was three, maybe four years ago with the Minneapolis Miracle, that game, the Saints versus the Vikings. The first half, I believe they shut him out 17 nothing, And then they let him catch back up, and it ended I believe fourth quarter with a miracle play with the last second that just sums them up. They're real either. They're either on or they're off. They're never good in or out. Yeah. They're either really bad or really good. I mean, they shut out arguably the best offense that year, the saints in the first half. And then they let them score 30 on them in the second half. And just something to add on to that, as you said, um, they, they lost to the Cowboys last year, obviously a struggling team. They were a top 10 pick in the draft, as well as the Jaguars, first overall pick. They struggled against them. There's teams that they should not be struggling against. Those should be 
easy games that they should ride off as wins. And with Mike Zimmer, unfortunately, that's not the case in Agreed. the last few years. Agreed. All right, moving on down the road. Uh, Mike Vrabel has been with the Tennessee Titans now in its fourth season. Uh, he is above 500, 29 and 19, uh, in part to the recent resurgence of Ryan Tannehill. His playoff record is two and two. And four seasons, two and two. This guy's been there every year that he's coached the team. It looks like. Um, I love his. He's gritty. I, I love that he. Uh, he just seems like that strong kind of. I, I know he gets a little vocal, but he's not like Bill Cowher chasing down players on the sideline vocal. But I, I like what he's doing there. Another player who I think has consistent defense. Another coach who brings consistent defense. What do you think, Caleb? Yeah, I like Vrabel a lot. I think this is fine where he's ranked at 14. I mean, he's an old-school football coach, I mean, defense and run game first, which is amazing. I mean, with Tannehill there, they're kind of opening up the offense a little bit. But I think he's a traditional old-school quarter, or not quarterback, sorry, coach, mm -hmm. and I really like that about him, especially in the division that he's in. Yeah, I really like that. Again, going back to what I said about Jimmy Johnson, obviously he's my coach. I love Jimmy Johnson. No criticism there. Much love. But I love when a coach comes in and he has Tannehill, he has Henry, he makes that work. When you have players at that level, you play to your strength, unlike what Mike Zimmer might be doing uh, in Minnesota. I like what he's doing there. All right, I, you guys you guys have corrected me on this. Uh, our Browns head coach, I, I thought it was a stretch when he came in. You guys said, you know, he's going to do fine, he's going to do fine. In his second year uh, with as a head coach, 11-5, and five, took him to the playoffs. Uh, I mean, that's impressive. I, I was wrong. I, I, you know, he was coach of the year last year. Um, my guy's going in, so I was wrong. I was wrong. Tell, go ahead. Tell me I was wrong. I, I love Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. And, you, and that's not your squad, so that's saying a lot. But He turned around the Browns, obviously. Quick. They, they've, been, they've been miserable, to say the least, the last decade, even longer than that. But this team went from a team that – couldn't win any games. There's no consistency. Yep. They didn't have a consistent anything. The coaches kept coming in and out. I believe they had two two coordinators as their coach, interim and head coach, and Freddie Kitchens was out of there very quickly. Um, very quickly. Kevin Stefanski is stable. He obviously won. He, he put up a fight against the Chiefs in the playoffs. I really like this position where they have him at 13. He could even be even higher for me, obviously. Er, yeah, Kevin Stefanski, when you watch the Browns play last year, you could – watch their stats and be like confusing with the Steelers, how they were playing. Their defense was doing really well. They had a great run game. They were just really balanced, and I think this is the first first time in a long time that the Browns have been balanced, and the fans should be very comfortable with them. Yeah, I'd, I'd say what's impressive to me is the Browns, much like the Steelers, have a similar you know legacy. And the Steelers have never lost their identity in all the years I've been watching football. You know, 70s, 80s, 90s, they've always been what they are. I think the, he's done a great job embracing what the Browns are supposed to be, tough a lot like the Steelers and being creative with what he has we've 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 talked it off you know Mike that uh, Baker Mayfield is what he is he's got a low ceiling we agree at some level but he's also getting it done and I think a lot of that again goes on your head coach so well done I was wrong you guys were right he's doing a great job let's talk about someone that we all agree and I, I honestly told Josh the other day, I said, it felt like it was his second or, second or third season, but Frank Reich is in his fourth season as the head coach of the Colts, 28-20 and 20 record, 1-2 and two in the playoffs. All I have to say is he's got his guy. He's now got the quarterback that he had in Philadelphia that he's been big on. These guys are like-minded. They have like faith. They have a like scheme. Carson knows the offense. So what does this look like for Frank Reich this year, guys, at number 12? 
I really like Frank Reich. I've been biased. I think that he's the reason that the Eagles won the Super Bowl Agreed. as their OC. Yep. I mean, I think he's amazing. I think him getting his quarterback that they drafted with him there is going to be perfect for him. And like I've said in previous episodes, I think the Colts are a great contender for the Super Bowl or the best team in the AFC. But I think Frank Reich, he turned the team around the past four years because the Colts were kind of – Andrew Luck kind of carried them through. But I think that Frank Reich is going to push them over the edge, especially now with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I really like Frank Reich here at 12. Arguably could be higher for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's been able to do, as we've said for other teams, famously, uh, the quarterback situation. As you said, they finally got their guy. And then saying finally, he finally got this guy in his fourth year. So three years of not-so-great quarterback play. They obviously they had Brian Hoyer, Jacoby Brissett coming off the bench from the Patriots. And then you have Phillip Rivers last year. And he's done very well through that. They went to the playoffs when they had Andrew Luck. And they had they w- had made a run against the Chiefs. They blew out the Texans. And in recent years, they played against the Bills and held up pretty well. Mm-hmm. But Phillip Rivers, and I think the quarterback position overall, has held them back. And they finally have their guy. If he can get back to where he was just two years ago, that would be wonderful. But I think Frank Reich himself is a wonderful coach. 100% agree. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I, I'm not uh, – obviously, he's groomed. He's, he's their number 11 coach this year. Uh, fifth year with the 49ers. He's been groomed because, you know, who his dad is to be. And I thought he was excellent as an offensive play caller. You know, I think he has the right mind. My criticism, and I know this is partially due to some of the injuries at the quarterback position, but he's below 500 in five seasons. Two and one. And honestly, in the Super Bowl, it didn't look like he had the best plan as a coach. It falls back on the coach. So I'm still very critical of him. I think that he's earned a great deal of respect as an, as an OC or as a play caller. And to, to many people have also said, oh, well, then he's a great head coach. But I think his record is what it is. You guys can rebut me. But I, I honestly don't think that he's maybe uh, – he's 11. That's real close to top 10. And I think that might be a little little low on the list for him. I, I think when you have C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins starting for more than half of your games as a head coach of the 49ers, it's not on him. <laughs> yeah, but some of that falls on, on him and making the decisions with his general manager on who he's going to have. He's choosing running back by committee. He can tell his GM that we need to bring in somebody different. or He is uh, definitely steering the ship on that offense. It seems like they are catering to his needs and letting him run it, which is a great offense. I like the scheme. I just think there's been a lot of missed opportunities that, again, going back to what we said about Mike Zimmer, kind of falls on the head coach. And when you look at their records of – Six and ten, four and twelve, thirteen and three, six and ten. That's all over the place. Some of that is Garoppolo not being consistent. I get that he's been hurt a lot and he's had to go to other quarterbacks. But a quarterback guru, offensive-minded coach, I would expect more than you know six and ten, four and twelve. That's that's all I'm saying. Much respect, but that's what I'm saying. We said this a thousand times about the quarterback thing. You can be a average or below average coach and have a great quarterback and look good because of that. That's right. Or you could have a good quarterback and still not produce like Mike Zimmer. And Matt Rule. Yeah. But uh, yeah. when you look at Kyle Shanahan, I'm excited to see consistency with the quarterback position. Obviously drafting a quarterback pick three, Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. When we saw Jimmy Garoppolo not tear his ACL or roll his ankle three times, they <laughs> right. were 13-3. and three. That's right. Very good team. One of the best defenses in the league. And there, there was nothing wrong there when they were having success, but that's because they had the consistency needed at every position. Right. So their team's been very hurt. I mean, famously against the Jets this year even, they were complaining about the turf because they had, I believe, six starters maybe get hurt in that one game. You had Jimmy Garoppolo get hurt. You had Raheem Mostert get hurt. You basically had the whole offense get hurt. Debo Samuel missed a bunch of times. So. Sure. George Kittle. Yeah, I think, I think Kyle Shanahan, I think 
he's a fantastic coach, and it's it's hit or miss right now, obviously, because all he's shown us is losing seasons other than one. Right. But in that one winning season, he went to the Super Bowl and played against the number one team and held his own. So I think it's a wait and see. I th- I, I love Kyle Shanahan's play design. I love I his do too. I love his scheme and everything. So I, w- I would bet on that more than the record that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So if Trey Lance is what we think he is, then I think he's going to be a fantastic coach in years come. True, that's definitely something that could bail him out. All right, let's move into what I think we can all agree that these guys are definitely fantastic coaches. Starting with Mike Tomlin at 10, I think should be much lower. I think he's probably a five or six guy. I you mean, mean much higher? He should be much higher okay. on the list. L- lower meaning nine, eight, seven, yes. Mike Tomlin in his 15th year as a Steelers head coach. To me, he's embodied what the Pittsburgh Steeler uh, mystique is all about. Um, nobody and I say this because he has a big hand in this, no one can take a, a wide receiver out of the fourth or fifth round and turn him into gold like he can. He just knows how to gauge that talent, much because of his days at Wayman Mary as a wide receiver. But this guy is 145-78-1, a whopping 65% of his games are wins. Yeah. Just to add on to the win rate, I think his win rate is one of the highest in the league, mm-hmm. and with the amount of games that he's played, one of the highest of all time. So he's been able to do a lot. He went to two Super Bowls as a head coach. He won one, lost one, and one obviously to Aaron Rodgers. And uh, he's just been a fantastic, consistent coach. I mean, the Steelers have been very consistent. They've only had a handful of head coaches in their entirety of being an organization. Mm-hmm. And when you look at him, the last couple of years, quarterback play has been here or there. I mean, Big Ben hasn't been exactly what he is. He hasn't had his partner in crime, Antonio Brown, the last few seasons, as well as having an injury and getting Mason Rudolph thrown in there. So uh, yeah, I- with Mason Rudolph and with Doug Hodges, he still was one game away from the playoffs. Well, we saw other head coaches when they had no quarterback. As you said, Kyle Shanahan, um, Mike Zimmer, uh, other other guys, Nagy. other other head coaches. They have they either have a good quarterback and they're not that good, or they have no quarterback and they're terrible. Mike Tomlin has been the opposite of that. He's been consistent regardless of what's happened. Yeah, and you mentioned that that win percentage. Now, Matt Lafleur is an anomaly because he's got three seasons, and you can't compare that to fifteen seasons. He's at a whopping eighty-one percent. Um, but you're right. And, and what starts to stand out to me when you get, and, and again, Matt LaFleur and Bruce Aarons, I'm going to pull off this list even though they're coming up because they're relatively new third-year coaches. So we can't look at their head coaching records and take it too far because they just don't have the experience. But you look at the rest of the guys on this list, and I'm not going to say any names at this point, they have playoff experience. You know, Tomlin is 8-8. Eight and eight. That's respectable. Uh, one and one, as you said, in the Super Bowl. And you look at majority of those losses; they came against the number one team of the last two decades. And that was my—that's my next point. And most of mo- every uh, Mike Tomlin loss came against a coach that is as reputable as he is. And Blake Bortles. And, and yeah. Blake Bortles. That's true. Just uh, I want to add on to that as we're talking about the Patriots and Mike Bill Belichick. Uh, if if Bill Belichick did not exist, I think we'd be talking about Mike Tomlin as one of the top few coaches in the league, top tier coaches. Yeah, because his win percentage, especially those playoffs, would be out of this world because it seems like the Steelers just hit a roadblock every time. All right, let's move to these younger coach. Well, I say younger in that third year coaches, number nine, Matt LaFleur of the Packers. Not a lot to say. He's had Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, again, this plays back to any guy guy like Aaron Rodgers. You should be winning football games. His record's 26-6 and six as a coach. I think that's entirely because of Aaron Rodgers. You can call me out if you think I'm wrong. Too early to tell. Even Matt LaFleur said that Aaron Rodgers is the entire team, that he is the reason that they are good. He is the Green Bay Packers. So I agree with him there. I think that he's a little overrated when you look at him when he was part of the Titans organization. He was not that impressive. He split Derrick Henry into a committee with Deion Lewis, which is a terrible move. Yeah, terrible. Look at Derrick Henry now. He's one of the best running backs in the league, not in a committee. I don't like Matt LaFleur. I think it's... 
solely on Aaron Rodgers, but you guys can change my mind. No, I mean, I'm with you, Josh. If you can't change my mind, I think he's like, I think you nailed it 100%. And it's hard. He did what Jimmy Johnson didn't do. He went in and said, hey, I got Aaron Rodgers. And he really played to his strength. And I think that's the way to win as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, I certainly like Matt LaFleur, but to put him above Mike Tomlin, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski, maybe even Frank Reich, for me, I would say that's a stretch. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, number eight, we adore Bruce Aarons and what he has done when he took over for the Colts. we just we've seen him with all these teams working with all these quarterbacks and offenses and such over the years, and we love him. So seeing him win a Super Bowl in this household, we were super super stoked for him. Playoff record is five and two with a Super Bowl win. Of course, having Tom Brady in your third year or second year does not hurt your chances of winning at all. So I'm not going to diminish his already. In my opinion, he's a Hall of Fame type coach, maybe not head coach yet, but I mean he's certainly been around the league and well respected. And to have Tom Brady, again, to, it's kind of hard to tell what his success would be without Tom Brady. Yeah, I like Bruce Arians a lot. I would move him down the list, fewer down. I'd definitely have Mike Tomlin over him and Shanahan. Yeah, I think that he's really good, but I think he also is very humble, where he lets Todd Bowles do what he has to do on defense. He lets Brady do what he has to do on offense, and that really helps him because he lets other people do their jobs. Yeah, and Todd Bowles, we've said this many times, that we love him too. And everywhere he's been as a D.C., he's been consistent. Again, quiet strength on the sideline, and his defenses are wrecking balls. But I think, hopefully for his sake, and and Bruce was much like this as he was younger, Todd realizes his strength is as a DC, not an HC, and when he sits behind a guy like Bruce, he puts out, you know, little G, God-tier defenses. And I love that about Todd Bowles. So let's move on to number seven, Pete Carroll. Uh, He is in his 12th season uh, with the Seahawks' 16th head coach season in the NFL overall. 63% 63% win percentage. He's also, again, playoff records, 11-10, and 1-1 one and one in the Super Bowl. Uh, what else can we say about Pete Carroll? Um, he definitely wins the award for the strongest jawline in the league, the way he <laughs> chews on that hubba bubba. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh. But I think he would be further down my list. I like him a lot. Yep. Obviously, we know at USC what the, the issues he had there, but this is a different league. Yep. I think that he's been really good. I think he helped draft very well. Legion of Boom, obviously, his first few years at Seattle. I think sneaking Russell Wilson on his team really helped him out. I think he's a solid coach. Seven to me is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I would agree. I really like Pete Carroll, but I think the last few years have been a little bit more disappointing than you'd like. I think they should always be in that conversation as one of the top teams in the league. Considering their quarterback and how well they did years prior, we saw with the team and Pete Carroll. They should yeah. be held to that same expectation. And the things that he's in in, uh, in order of on the team in terms of personnel, sure. the defense, I mean, everything that he's in order of is not doing well. So I think the team is kind of there. He's already built that atmosphere. Well, I think he's still a solid coach. I think the things that he's done in years past have made him a better coach now than he probably is. Yeah, and I would. My only criticism is it seems to me like he's the guy who should have groomed a guy to give the keys to because he's older, uh, full of energy as we know. We saw him when he got Metcalf draft. He stripped down yeah, to mean, his shirt and showed off his abs, and you know, oldest head coach, I believe. Yeah, I mean he's a fun, fun guy. But at this point, on a life level, I like to see coaches that have. He's done everything. You know, he's got the t-shirt. He has nothing else to prove as a head coach. Maybe starting to waste some of Russell Wilson's prime by sticking around too long. Yeah. Maybe it's time to pass the torch, in my opinion. I think if he retired after their Super Bowl, that would have been peak yes. for him. Yes. I mean, and also, as you said, I think the reason we're talking about Russell Wilson moves potentially is because of this reason. Mm-hmm. It's because of Pete Carroll and what the team is doing. Yeah. And I just don't like what he's been doing, but I still think he's a solid coach. 
no, seventh overall coaching? I, I don't yeah. think so. A couple of guys I'd prefer over him, as Caleb said. But he's still a very solid coach. And stay tuned, fans, because we're going to give you our top ten list as this podcast drops. Make sure you go to our Instagram page, Guys Without Helmets, and check out our top ten list because we have a different ranking than this. And we love CBS Sports. That's why we're referencing it. They're a leader in, in reporting NFL news and information. We're, that's why we're sharing this. Uh, we appreciate all they do, but we disagree. Case in point, as soon as I say this name, listen to how quickly we're going to disagree. At number six, Sean McVay, the Rams' <laughs> fifth-year head coach. Now, he's... 43 and 21, 3 and 3, again, 3 and 3 in playoffs, and 0 and 1 in the Super Bowl. That means, once again, he's taking this team to the playoffs every year or almost every year that he's been there. Pretty impressive for a start of a coaching. I think Sean McVay will make this short and sweet. I think Sean McVay is exceptional offensive mind that he's going to peak. He has not yet. I know he got clearly out coached in the Super Bowl. Clearly, it was it was a clinic. We know that as a coach, Daddy Bill, Daddy Bill took him to took him to school, <laughs> but he and, and he he's a whiz kid. But he 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 will grow into a more significant mind as he kind of digs in and, and matures a little bit. That's my take. Y'all's take? I think he's a solid coach. He's a good play caller. I mean, obviously, look at his record. He's pretty solid, but. I don't like him personally. I don't know why. I just don't like him. So I'm kind of biased to this. I think he is a top 10 coach in the league, but I don't like him at six. Is it because he shaves his chest? He shaves his chest. He does push-ups four games. He has a faux hawk. I'm just kidding. Nothing against faux hawks, but... Yeah, no, nothing against any of that. It's just, we can't figure out why Caleb is. I like, don't know why I don't like him. Yeah. I just don't like him. It's one of those things where we watch the screen and Caleb's just looking at the coach like. He I acknowledge like that he's he's a top ten coach in the league and yeah. he's talented. He's very good. I just don't like him. For me, I would say he's in the Matt Lafleur tier. Very very good record. The offense has been very good. Well, they have things that we don't necessarily agree with, like as you said, running Derrick Henry in a committee for no reason. Um, <laughs> and Sh- Sean McVay's part, they they still have a running back by committee. Yeah, I agree. I and I, I don't disagree. They draft they draft players in the second round. They don't use. They drafted Gerald Everett, super athletic tight end, and people are excited about him playing with Russell Wilson. No one's excited about him playing with Sean McVay because they do not use those guys correctly. Yeah, yeah. We saw Van Jefferson go in the second round. Didn't use him. Saw Daryl Henderson go in the second round. Didn't use him. Then right back in the next year, Cam Akers immediately afterwards, and they were still in a committee. While he was a rookie, I would like to see him commit to people with some consistent play, whether it's in the running game or at the tight end position, whatever. But I think there's things that he does that I don't agree with. And as you said before, getting outplayed in the Super Bowl, I think that's what happens consistently against other high-end coaches, as we saw with Matt. That's what happens when you're 33 coaching. You know, he's a a relative kid in the world of coaching. And now he's 35. Uh, I I don't know. I think we have not seen the best of Sean McVay. So moving on, number five, uh, also a fifth-year coach with the Bills, Sean McDermott, uh, a guy who I think is very Tomlin-like in that he's he's strong. uh, He leads without having to say a ton from the sideline. Now, of course, Tomlin can stare you down. You don't know how he's feeling. I don't even know if they're winning or losing if they put a camera on <laughs> He usually Tomlin. has aviators on. The yeah. famous fist bump whenever something's going right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and McDermott, I think, is very mild-mannered like that. I I, I like I like him. I remember the dumpster fire that he took over. And I much like uh, the Dolphins, I think the Bills have slowly been turning the ship and they're going you know, upstream now in, in a mighty way. So anything we can add to this before I move on? I like him. I think he's a solid coach. I think he's having 
a lot of uh, I don't want to say luck, but a lot of fortune with the the team that he's built around him. His GM doing a great job. He has a good front office. I mean, getting Stephon Diggs was a perfect move for them. I think he has a lot of help in his front office, and it's really helping him shine. I don't like Sean McDermott at five. <laughs> Not at five. I don't like I him like at five. Him. I, like I, yeah. I, I don't like him top ten personally. I think he he's been he's been a solid coach. I think prior to having Brian Dable and the moves they made with Bean recently, yeah. I think I think we we wouldn't even consider him in this list. Yeah, and I think. Recency biased is something that pushes him even higher. Mm-hmm. While he, while he's good, and while Josh Allen is good, I don't think that they are they are that team. And I just I just don't see him as a top five coach. And as I've said for other coaches, obviously for moving down, people have to come up. There is Kyle Shanahan, Mike Tomlin, Bruce Arians, Frank Reich, yeah, Stefanski. I think yeah. I think all of those guys are better than him. And I think recency bias is what has him so high. Okay, let's let's roll into our last four. Uh, Sean Payton, sixteen seasons with the Saints as head coach. He, again, 63% of his games are wins, and he is actually above 500 in playoff wins, which is impresses with, of course, uh, which, of course, he won a Super Bowl as well. Um, very similar to, to Mike Tomlin in that in the time that he's been there, he, almost the same amount of time, his team is almost always in the hunt. And, and that has not always been the case. I grew up when the Aints were putting paper bags over their faces and they couldn't win a football game, not to mention a playoff game. So I know for the for that city and for that team, he is like, you know, like a messiah of sorts, resurrecting this team from the ashes. What more can be said about Sean Payton? I mean, he's a great coach. He also had Drew Brees to help him out. And he has, he's had some issues with Bounty Gate and all those things. But I think he's a solid coach. I mean, they've been at top of their division, top of the NFC since he's been there. So he's pretty good. Big question, and, and I'll move on from this. Is he going to continue to have success with, with Jameis Winston at the helm? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think he'll be pretty solid. Yeah, me too. All right, we're moving on to number three. Now, this is a guy we can't argue is definitely a top 10 coach in the league. John Harbaugh, 14th season with the Ravens. Uh, he's one twenty nine to seventy nine in regular season, eleven and eight. Impressive playoff record. Another guy who seems to always be getting his team there. One and zero in the Super Bowl. I think he's really great because he plays to his players' needs. They got mm-hmm. Lamar, and they changed their entire offensive scheme to fit him, and it's been working out. Yeah, and as well as getting Lamar prior to drafting Lamar, they even got RG three to back him up because they knew they had an idea. They were able to get him. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I like the I like the team that they put building. Their defense is always stout. I mean, whether you think they are losing players and it's going to be less than what it was before, it always shows up. The offense, they changed the offense, obviously, for Lamar. The run game's a big specialty, which is always one of the top of the league, if not top two, like it has been. And I think I think he's just a very solid coach. I mean, you know what you're going to get from John Harbaugh. You know it's going to be a winning organization. You know they're going to expect greatness. And there's always a possibility that they're going to be in that playoff push and they're going to be with some of the top teams in the league no matter what. Yeah, the only thing that absolutely baffles me about this organization and John Harbaugh is it seems like every year there are media types saying, well, this guy's on the bubble. How can he possibly be on the bubble when the whole mindset about bringing in players and coaches is if there's not someone better to take their place, how on earth can you talk about replacing Yeah, I think something similar happened with Mike Tomlin just a few years ago where Mm -hmm. the team wasn't doing as well as you'd think. Well, that was because of the backup quarterbacks playing. In this situation, they were – they were in that Super Bowl run where Lamar's MVP, and since they didn't have that last year, people kind of get a little mad about that. So I think that's the situation that we're in. I don't think he'll get fired whatsoever. He's been very impressive, very consistent. I think when teams are consistently good and they have a random bad season, I think fans are too comfortable with them being over 8-8 eight and eight or having 11 wins and go to the playoffs. And when they don't go, 
I think they just overreact. Yeah, because one of the worst things that I've ever think I've seen is watching the career of like you know Mar- Marty Schottenheimer, where he essentially takes the Browns and loses to the you know the Broncos over and over, and they they dismantle the team. I mean, keep keep grinding, you know. Or the Buffalo Bills, you know, everyone knows their own four Super Bowls. One of the greatest teams of the '90s. I mean, there was nothing to be ashamed about. But you know, at some point. You know, they did at least grind through where Schottenheimer had to go to the Chargers and start over and was consistently good as a coach in his prime. I mean, yeah, as we saw with Ravens in the past, you just have to trust what you have, trust your process, keep continuing to be a better team. I mean, they won the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. And if, and if you can and Trent well, He was Dilfer? also coaching against his brother. Yeah. Who's now yeah. out of the league. I'm saying, but he still, he still had to make it to that part, and he has a better quarterback, a better offense, I think, yeah. at this point. So adding weapons outside on receiver end, and well as Mark Andrews continue to grow, and they have another J.K. or J.K. Dobbins in his second season, I think this offense is going to be just as good as it was in years past, and people are going to still consider him highly. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head when you started off. that There are a few coaches as reliable, or as Caleb said, willing to change to make it work for what you have. To me... That's the adaptability of a great coach. You look at the Don Shulas and and the Tom Landrys that are you know legends of the past. They went through decades of coaching the same team because they were able to take the talent and always adapt their coaching and learn. So just like players learn the game, I think coaches adapt. No one has adapted perhaps better than the legend Bill Belichick. They have him at number two. Let me stop right there. Any list I have with a head coach on it, even if this is about the legends uh, and the future, uh, their legacy, it has to have Bill Belichick at number one. I mean, 31 playoff wins, 12 losses, 6-3 and three in Super Bowls, 67% wins. I mean, how can he not be number one on anyone's list? Just to add on to that, if you think Sean McVay is impressive in the few seasons that he's played, Bill Belichick has a higher win rate in the amount of seasons he's played. So he's been better than that. So. 27 seasons total, 22 mm-hmm. of the page. Twenty. Now remember... Five of those are losing, so that, I mean, if <laughs> he had just started off hot with them. Uh, and he's been a winner ever since he's been in New England. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think the only reason he's at two is because of the season last year. I think, with obviously, as we, we brushed on it at the beginning, but Cam Newton and what they did last year, I think it's more impressive to the fact that their quarterback play was not good. They had a bunch of players opt out, a bunch of injuries in an odd season, and they still were the 15th pick. They were almost in the upper half of the league while having everything against them. Yeah, I, and Andy Reid, we're not going to knock Andy Reid or we're not going to go into his resume. We all know he's an impressive coach. He's done it through adversity. He's done it through two different teams. Uh, taking two different teams to the Super Bowl is impressive. Um, now, he is one and two in Super Bowls, but, hey, he's been to three Super Bowls. That's more than most coaches will ever see in their lifetime. Yeah, and I think in those two losses, unfortunately, there's been two different situations yeah. he's had to deal with during that. So It's weird how that happened. I don't Both know. Both Super Bowls, he had tragedy in his family. With his son. the same week that yeah. it happened. With his sons. Very yeah. weird. Very odd. And, you know, and again, two different outcomes. I mean, ultimately, the Eagles said, hey, you can't manage your home life, and they, they let a Hall of Fame coach go. Which I think is, is crazy. Yeah, and I don't know the details. We always say we don't talk about character a ton, but there was some stuff going on with his son. And then equally, this past, you know, uh, Super Bowl, his team didn't look at all the same. You got to give a lot of credit to the Buccaneers for coming out and putting it on them. But at the same time, they did not look like an Andy Reid coach team. The office did not look like a Pat Mahomes team. So that was definitely unique. Yeah, but to, to add on to what the rankings, I think Bill Belichick is, is one. And I think you could swap one and two as an Andy Reid is two. Bill Belichick yeah. is one currently. Yeah, and I think what adds to the excitement for Andy Reid right now is he does have Patrick Mahomes. And kudos for him for bringing him in and for grooming him. 
And, you know, Pat's a guy a couple years ago said didn't really understand how to read defenses. Just wait till I figure it out. And when he does figure it out, guys, we're in for it. If this was a, a team ranking, then the Chiefs and Andy Reid would be one, obviously. 100%. So we say all that to say, CBS Sports, thanks for giving us this. This is definitely something, great information to talk about. We're going to post our guys about helmets list again as you're listening to this podcast. Jump over to Instagram and check out that graphic and check out that list. And as we close out like we do every week, we just want to remind you of a couple things. If you like this podcast, please take a moment to write us a review. Give us a five-star rating if you like it. It does help spread the word, and it really does matter. Also remember to please share this podcast and tell your friends about us. We will never grow this podcast and have this platform without you guys and without your support and telling your friends about us. So we appreciate that. Continue to do that. Also, a weekly video. It's the audio portion of this podcast, but it is available online and on our YouTube channel. Also, guys without helmets. And finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. Turn on those notifications so you'll get them as they are new and fresh. And as always, thanks for taking the time to listen to Guys Without Helmets. We'll see you next time.